you want an insight into the minds of the industry professionals, then there's only one place to be. One place to be. The Ins and Out Podcast with your host, Kane Silver. In this episode of the Ins and Outs Podcast, I speak to one of the most talented, funny, humble, loving humans I've ever had the pleasure of working with, Mr. Christian Patterson. Christian is a Welsh actor and director. He tells us about his career and some of the ups and downs along the way and has he ever wanted to quit, but what keeps him going? Christian has worked in the West End. He's headlined and directed pantomimes. He's been in film and television and some astonishing plays and one in particular that won him Welsh Actor of the Year. You need to hear why he won that award and what that play was about. It's pretty shocking and mind-blowing. Here is the loveliest human on earth. I think I say this every podcast, but here is the loveliest human on earth, Christian Patterson. And we're in. Today I have with me my very, very good friend who I love so dearly, Mr. Christian Patterson. Hello. Oh, I love you too. This is just going to be a loving, isn't it? Yeah, it's just <laughs> going to be stroking each other's knobs for the yeah, next lovely, hour. Yeah, lovely, lovely, yeah, great. <laughs> I wondered why you were naked, actually. I just, uh, yeah, I'm getting I was that. hoping you'd get naked next. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance when you're around. <laughs> How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. I'm really good. Yeah. What have you been up to? Um, I've been at the Doma Warehouse for the beginning of the year. I was up there up until about uh, the end of May, I think, and then I did a one-man show for the National Theatre of Wales. Uh-huh. Um, and that was up in... I rehearsed, actually, in Ammonford, would you believe? I don't um, even know where that is. Well, I mean, it's great, because it was about um, six miles away from my house. Oh, perfect. So driving to rehearsals is something that I haven't done in many, many years. So that was lovely, and uh, performed up in Wrexham, and I've been off for the last five weeks, and I'm about to do One Man, Two Governors down at the Torch Theatre in Milford Haven, so... So all still relatively close. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I'm probably going to get, you know what it's like, if you can get home, you will get home. And uh, I'm going to try and do that every night if I can, maybe not possible before matinee days, because it's it's a tough show for... For any actor, but uh, an actor of my size, uh, probably 10 times tougher, you know. Yeah. Because uh, I don't do anything easy, as you know. No. <laughs> Nothing ever easy. Oh, no, no. What's the one-man show about? The one-man show was written by a woman called uh, Catherine Chandler. And uh, it was about a guy who did a hospital radio show. Uh-huh. So um, it was to do the celebrations for the NHS, NHS mm-hmm. 70. It was a beautiful piece, actually. It's about an hour and ten minutes. We performed it in a site-specific place up in Wrexham, mm-hmm. a disused hotel it was. I have to tell you, it was the warmest I've ever been on stage in my entire life. Really? Oh, uh, terrible. I've never felt anything like it, because we were in... I mean, and I've seen you sweat. Oh, you've seen me sweat. You've seen me in some costumes. I've seen you in some fantastic outfits. Oh, you have. Well, this one, um, I, end- I started off with trousers and said to the designer, can you cut these into shorts? <laughs> because uh, I was boiling, and I started off with like um, a woolly jumper on that was zany, like a Noel Edmonds jumper, ended up with a t-shirt, um, and they had to keep the aircon on during the show, because the <laughs> audience were 32 degrees, and on stage it was 36 degrees. Which means you must have been about 54 degrees. <laughs> oh, I was boiling, absolutely boiling. But it was a brilliant, brilliant piece, yeah. and I'm hoping MTW, uh, and that's National Theatre yeah. I hope they uh, bring it back because I think it deserves a, a bigger audience myself. How long were you doing that? Uh, well, this is the thing with um, these shows. You, We had uh, two weeks rehearsal on it, which is far, far too little. Um, and I rehearsed 
as I said, I've been Hammerford, and then we went up to Wrexham on the Monday, and I did, I think, five performances of it because it's just size specific. Yeah. Um, and they had about seven pieces, I believe, mm-hmm. um, all around Wales, and I was the, the North Wales one. Oh, my God. So it was a lot of work for so many performances, you yeah. know, and, uh, and tough to get an audience because, you know, the, the World Cup was on. Oh, my so, God, of course. And, and, you know... I mean, we're quite lucky doing our show because most of the women don't care about the football. Although, I must say, in the, I believe we were in Stoke. Yeah, we were in Stoke, a thousand percent. And uh, all the audience in the interval started singing, football's coming home. I love that. See, that's the thing with the Stoke audience. You, you know them as well as I do, right? I, I love them. They're very, very giving. But also they come to the theatre. As far as they're concerned... If you're there and in front of them, they can talk to you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I kind of love that, really. No, definitely. Um, and they don't get a lot there. So when I think when they do get something, every, you know, the whole of Stoke comes out to see it because there's not a lot happening otherwise. Yeah. And I think you're fine, right? You've performed in Swansea before. Yeah. You? Yeah. Um, the Grand Theatre audience for me is a very similar audience. Mm-hmm. They're on your side. They're coming out for a good night. I mean, God knows what it's going to be like tonight. Yeah. Um, but I'm assuming, you know, it's going to be crazy, crazy. And I'm really looking forward to, to seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said to you before we started, that last year we did Swansea here on the Friday and Stoke on the Saturday. And they were the two best shows we did all year. Yeah. Easily. Uh, for me, they, there's something special about them. They, um, the audience here, they come, they're on your side, they want to have a good night and they G you up. Yeah. Um, and it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. They really get involved. They do you know get I mean? involved, yeah. Yeah. Which is, well, what we need anyway. <laughs> you know, it's funny you should say about getting involved because um, the show that I uh, met uh, Michelle, mm-hmm. my wife, um, we um, were here in this building. Um, and that was Chicago and we were both about 18, so a long time ago now. But then the play that we got together on was also in this building. Oh, yeah. And it was called um, The Oyster Catchers, adapted by um, Helen Griffin, who sadly passed away recently, a good friend of mine from uh, an Irish Gower book. Uh-huh. And um, the audience seriously talked every night, but not amongst themselves, <laughs> to us. To you. Right? So, you know, um, there was a scene where we almost kissed and they'd shout, oh, kiss him, for God's sake, kiss him. <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff. You're like, um, that. do it, do it. Yeah, do it, absolutely, do it. yeah. It was like, yeah, listen to the woman, listen to what she's saying. And there was a point as well, because my character ran a, a shoe shop in it and he fell in love with the character that Michelle was playing, but she was married. Uh-huh. And um, they know the book, of course, right? So in fly these shoes, and this woman said, oh... Here come the shoes. And they know. <laughs> they know. Right, okay. This is the love story. It's kicking off, you know. Brilliant. It's lovely. It's really lovely. That's actually a nice little story of how you met your wife. It I is, know, I never knew that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did Chicago here, first of all. Um, Michelle uh, played uh, Velma Kelly. Mm-hmm. She was incredible. I remember one of the reviews saying at the time um, that... It was like a West End performance from her, and she was incredible. Mm. She was absolutely sensational. She's still amazing. Yeah, she's still yeah. amazing. Mm. You know, you're a bit of a power couple when it comes to... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, people say to me, you're like a Burton and Taylor, but she's the Richard Burton. Nice. 
I'll take that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Win. Yeah. Punching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I do with Georgia all the time. Well, you're both very attractive to her, but she's beautiful and very talented. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. I get that a lot, as yeah. you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I get people saying, in fact, the last job I was on, the um, the job at the Dom, I showed uh, a photo of uh, Michelle to one of the guys on that. And I said, this is my wife. And he went, no, it isn't. And I went, no, it, it is my wife. And when she turned, he didn't believe me until she turned up at London. And I went, there she is. You know, and he went, he went, go and hold her hand then. <laughs> there she is, a fifth of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't believe yeah. it. So for those who don't know, Christian's a, a bigger built gentleman. Larger, on the larger side. How heavy are you? Oh, don't mind me asking. No, you, I don't mind you asking. Well, I, shall I tell you something? Yeah, go on. Um, I, uh, I've gone back to uh, a slimming class. Oh, yeah. Right? Look at you. And uh, I started uh, a week and a half ago, 28 stone, two pounds. Well done. It's <laughs> an yeah. achievement. <laughs> yeah. That, that in itself is good, I think. Uh, and I weighed yesterday, my week weigh-in yesterday, yeah. and I'm 26 stone and eight pounds. Oh, <laughs> I mean that's massive in a, in a week, but like, <laughs> how do you how do you manage that? Um, I cut off a leg. Well, no, yeah. um, literally, I just yeah. um, it does fall. That's the one thing. Um, have you spoken about Nikki Wilkes on the show before? Nikki uh, and yeah, Johnny. they'll know who Nikki is. Yeah. Um, that's the one thing that Nikki always says to me. She says, "When you put your mind to it, you lose weight really quickly." And I think I suppose when you're a larger man uh, or a larger person, rather. Um, the first sort of week and uh, two weeks weigh in, you are quite surprised by what you've yeah. lost. It's kind of stuff. But this is the most I've ever lost in one week. In one week. Yeah. That is impressive. I, I, and, you know, I have had, like, we went up to um, see the football up in Birmingham. We stopped mm. at McDonald's and I had a McDonald's wrap. Mm -hmm. But I had McDonald's wrap without the covering on the check-in mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Um, and all of that, so it's all factored into it. Yeah. Uh, it's just that, you know, uh, I'm being really disciplined on myself. Yeah. I feel like though, for such a larger gentleman, you're so athletic. Like, I've done Panto with you probably about four or five times now. Mm. And you're the busiest person in the show. And that's, that's for me what everyone goes, oh, you know, big, big people that, you know, a bit, bit unhealthy. And I'm always like, well, he does more work than any of us in that show and he's doing all right and he does two shows a day for six weeks. I mean, you know, I could make life easier for myself, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I suppose I've always been quite active. You probably don't know this, but I, uh, what got me into what we do for a yeah. living is that uh, I started dance at the age of five. Really? Do you know that? No, yeah. I never. I, I, I mean, you are a very good dancer. Oh, no, come on. I love in it. In comparison though. to Johnny. <laughs> I think anyone is a good dancer. Actually, do you know, you've been in the room when Johnny is, um, Johnny and I have been learning the finale. Mm -hmm. I have to give him credit this year. He picked up the finale really quickly. Did he? Yeah, I was gutted. That's the, I reckon he already knew. I it. was gutted. Yeah, I, I reckon he'd had lessons in the house. Yeah. Uh, but no, um, I started off um, five years of age. I went to see my cousins. I was brought with my grandparents and my mm -hmm. grandmother took me to see my cousins doing ballroom and dancing in the banqueting hall, which is next to the South Wales Evening Post building in uh, Swansea. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just got the bug. I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And I went every Saturday and uh, was started doing lessons twice a week with a part dance partner on a Tuesday and Thursday. And we won loads. Yeah. Um, 
up and down Britain, really. We travelled everywhere on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, and we weren't <clears throat> a wealthy family, so we were sort of um, beg, borrowing and stealing, really, stuff for me to dance in. Yeah. Um, think think the kind of stuff that they wear in Strictly Come Dancing now. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, that sort of stuff, really. Yeah, which is expensive shit. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't come cheap. You know, I, I remember um, my grandmother saying... Um, being told that, you know, I needed a new pair of dance shoes. And I remember she was thinking, I don't know, I'm going to do this because it was, it was something like £25 in 1980. Yeah. You know? um, and eventually somebody gave me a second-hand pair of them. But um, I went to see my cousins, loved it, and uh, I did it until I was 12. And the only reason I stopped was because I grew too tall for my partner, a girl called uh-huh. Amanda Murphy. And I just didn't want to carry on without her really yeah so and I guess at that age if you've built a a bond with someone at such a young age being 12 you know you're quite vulnerable Mm. between 12 and 17 you know it's where puberty starts to kick in and Mm. you know you're a bit vulnerable so the fact to try and make a connection with someone and especially because your dancing was partner dancing it wasn't just like you dancing on your own like that's what I did so for me it was just about being on my own and being comfortable with that but to do it with a new person, I guess, at that age is probably quite... Yeah. I mean, I did do dance on my own, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> I did disco. Did you? Right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. And there's an actor, a Welsh actor called Richard Mylan, who is quite well known. And he, I think he's a couple of years younger than me, but we were always up against each other. And the competitions always used to be in the Dolphin Hotel in Swansea for some reason. <laughs> and I had, like, a black tight trousers and a black sort of satin-like top that my grandmother, this is God's honest truth, that my grandmother had um, sewn sequins on the back so it said Disco Kid. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a string of sequins left that I used to tie around my head, right? Yeah, I know, I know. This is the best thing I know, I know. But um, Richard, who um, clearly had a little bit more than us, he used to turn up in like a leopard print shirt and like beige trousers and Cuban heels, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he was really good, yeah. really good. Richard went into um, uh, Starlight Express when he was sixteen. You know, oh he got God. special dispensation to go in it and stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I also did disco. In fact, the other day I posted on um, Twitter from nowhere. We cleared out. We were having some work done on the house, and from nowhere, I found this certificate that said. <laughs> Junior Disco, um, highly commended. And the person that uh, that um, was on there as the adjudicator was, um, well, he's quite a famous man, but an older dancer. His surname is Rogers, but I can't remember it now. No idea. But yeah, it was him. And I was thinking, God, yeah, you know, I remember that. I remember the, the nerves and everything. So what happened then after you finished dancing at 12? Well, um... Really weirdly then, I kind of, I alongside doing the dance, I'd also played tennis and I was getting pretty, you know, pretty decent. Not not brilliant, but pretty decent. I played um, in local uh, tournaments and things and did okay. Um, but then I joined the Army Cadets and ended up uh, playing tennis for Wales through the Army Cadets. Oh, wow. Um, and, and then for some wild and weird reason, God knows why, um, I went from thinking, oh, I want to be a dancer, mm-hmm. to thinking I want to be in the army. Oh, and, and that's such a transition. It's such a transition. Yeah. yeah it's really weird. Um, and I had my 
sights set on being a Welsh guard. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I've always been sort of patriotic. Yeah. And I think the word Wales and the word Welsh yeah. mean a lot to me. And I yeah, think, yeah. in a way, that is primary reason for me thinking, oh, join the Welsh Guards. Yeah. But I remember when I was I'm in school... Because I'm guarding Wales. I'm guarding Wales, yeah. <laughs> but I remember I was in school, this will make you laugh as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got moved up a set in English, right? Got moved yeah. up from the middle set to the top set in English. And the very first thing that we had to do was write a letter of application, right? And my application was to be uh, Princess Diana's bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember it right now. Nice. I remember right. They should have employed you. They should have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, you know, it's it's crazy the things you remember, isn't it? And then uh, when I was taking drama at school, it was run by the games teacher, so it was terrible. It was just yeah. awful. No um, effort put into it. No, no, not at all. We used to do uh, drama sessions in the gym, mm. and it was just appalling. And then a lady called Denise Cavalli joined uh, Comtawi. And uh, that's when I went come tell me, uh, comprehensive. And she took over the drama department and she was just inspiring. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I was gobsmacked. You know, I did my GCSE drama because uh, I was the first year that did GCSE and passed it with an A within three months. Really? Yeah, because I didn't take drama, but I, I did the show. The first show that she did was Greece. Uh-huh. Sorry, was it Bugsy Malone or was it Greece? I can't remember. It was either one of those. Uh, but the first I did with her was Greece. And I played uh, Vince Fontaine in it. And she said to me, I think you should consider doing this for a living. And I just just thought to myself, oh, my God, that's it. Yeah. That's, this is what I do for the rest of my life. Um, and she said, I think you should do the GCSE. Uh, managed to get the coursework done very, very quickly. And within three months, I, I got that quality. Did it just feel natural? It felt like the most natural thing in the world. In, in a way, actually... More natural then than it ever really has since. It kind of just felt like somebody had said, oh, by the way, I know what you do for the rest of your life. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Why do you think that is? Because I think, well, you know, uh, we're getting really weird and deep now, but I think for me... Because I was uh, uh, the project uh, product rather of um, uh, teenage parents, uh-huh. quite young, mid mid teens parents. Um, I think it does fulfil a need, yeah. fulfil um, a gap. People talk about the the applause and stuff like that, and I think not so much now, but I think in the earlier days, it made me feel special. Mm-hmm that people wanted to um, pay to come and see. This has never gone away, actually. This yeah. has never gone away. I always think it's really, really special that people are going to pay money to come and see me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I find that phenomenal. And, I, and I'm so grateful for it. And I ha- I've always been all through my life. But I think in, my, in the earlier part of my career, it was more to do with feeling accepted, feeling wanted, mm-hmm. feeling needed. I think that's that's a big pull of it, really. Yeah. And I still, at the end of the night, when the audience applaud, um, <clears throat> don't get me wrong, Harry Seacombe used to say, right, that uh, one day he was, he was waiting for somebody to knock on the door and say, we want it all back. Yeah. I, I still have that. I still think to myself, is this real? 
I've, you know, I've been in the West End numerous times. I've toured the country. I've been in films, TV. Mm-hmm. I've been in Umpty and Pantos. You know, I, I've written. I'm still writing. And sometimes I do think to myself, is this real or is, or am I dreaming? Yeah. You, is this I mean? still happening? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I, I get exactly the same thing. Well, look at the people that um, you've danced with. Well, that's what, that's what I always get. I don't get starstruck by anyone ever really I get more excited by dancers that I'm inspired by than celebrities so mm. to say but um, when people be like oh my god I just saw so and so I just saw Justin Bieber like did this and I'm like oh cool mm. and they're like oh, don't you care and I'm like oh I danced for him or I met him and they're like oh my god and they got a million questions and you just go oh, I never thought of it like that mm. and that's when you kind of go oh wow mm. like people people would die to be in this position to meet all these wonderful people and travel and do stuff but I think we're the difference between doing it now and doing it when I first started is it becomes normal. Yeah, exactly. It becomes regular. It becomes mm. a regular thing. So you kind of just get used to it, don't you? It becomes a job, I mm. guess. Mm. But I do always get that reality check sometimes when I moan about something or I go, oh, this is shit. I've got to travel overnight to this venue for this gig. Da, 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 da. And then I go, but I'm getting paid to go on stage and dance. Yeah. Like that's pretty ridiculous <laughs> like and dance amazingly i mean you know i've been a friend of yours for a long time now and i'm always amazed at the stuff you can do i mean for me it's people uh, you see i don't only get inspired by people that are sort of beyond the reach of working mm-hmm. with whether that's because they are way up the chain or whether that's because they've passed on and, mm-hmm. but i get inspired by people who do the work yeah and, you know, people always say to me, gosh, you've been, you've been, you know, fair play, you've been very lucky over your career, you know. But I think there's a, there's a, isn't it strange that the people, that the work hard, work hardest seem to be the luckiest people? Yeah. Um, I had a Justin Timberlake's dancer on here last month, Natalie Gilmore. She is the most beautiful, amazing person. Mm. And uh, she hit the nail on the head. She went, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people that are capable to do my job and she went it's kind of like buying a lottery ticket and I just happened to win the lottery ticket and I went but you had to put the work in to buy the ticket that's the difference you know not anyone can do it no there's lots of people that can but you've put in all that work to becoming that that bunch of people which could potentially do it yeah totally yeah and I know people and you do as well I know people who coast it mm. um, and, you know, I'm not having a go at them. Yeah. Take my hat off them. If that's what they want to do, that's fine. But they're not for me. Um, I kind of have to feel like I've earned it. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, again, you know, going back to, I suppose, um, um, my, you know, a childhood where we were uh, kind of cash poor but love rich, you mm-hmm. know. I do same, exactly the same. Yeah, absolutely. Wealth with wealthy with love and passion and I love your mum. But she's fabulous. But no money. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I do stand in front, you know, I've got a big posh house, I've got a nice house, but I do stand in front of it sometimes and think, Christ, I own that. Yeah. Do, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I bought and, that. Yeah, and I've bought it doing this. Yeah. So I'm I'm very grateful, really. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing. I, I I do love my job, but here's a question, right? Let me ask you something because, having said all that now, um, I really do feel like I'm bearing my soul a bit now. But how Sorry. often do you think of giving up? I used to think of it before I started doing very well a lot, mm. um, and I remember my mum. I remember being in London for about a year and I was struggling financially, and my mum said to me 
you know, you've got to chase your dream. It's not just going to happen. Mm. Like, it's not going to happen overnight. So chase your dream because it's not going to chase you. And I wrote on a piece of paper, chase your dreams, they won't chase you. Stuck it to my wall. And I remember everyone saying to me, you know, to be a commercial dancer is about your look. It's not about how you dance. You know, you're a great dancer, but you need to work on how you look. So I got a Calvin Klein packet of boxes and put the box on my wall. And I was like, cool, I'm going to look like that. Mm. And then six weeks later, I got asked to go and do a TV show in... Um, in Barcelona for four months and I was like oh my god like I was gonna quit I was gonna move home but I stuck it out and rid it out mm. and then ever since then honestly never wanted to quit because mm. I was always so close to quitting and I genuinely was so close to quitting and then I feel like I stuck out the hard bit and all this amazing stuff started happening that mm. I'd never even dreamed of you know I went from jumping the tube at Waterloo because there was no gate and not paying for a tube tickets so I had no money and hoping I didn't get caught to dancing on the biggest show in the country in not an overnight period, but a short period. But the only difference was that all that hard work that I put before I thought of giving up, mm. you know, paid off just a little time after than when I thought it. Yeah. So ever since that, I've never really thought of giving up. I've just always thought of uh, what do I want to get from this next? Like, what am I getting from this besides financial benefits? Because to me, money isn't wealth. It's mm. just money. It comes and goes. Whether you earn a little or a lot, you kind of still end up in the same place. <laughs> yeah. I think money is a goldfish bowl. You know, yeah. it, it is literally, you'll grow to whatever size you've got. Yeah, you know? completely. Uh, and, the, and for us, I, I always, I'm Michelle, I, I drive Michelle up the wall, I think, with because I'm the person that goes, yeah, but wait a minute, you know, if it all goes tits up, mm. it, we've only got what we're what we're sitting in, what we're driving, what's in the bank, and that's it. Mm. And of course, I've got uh, a child, you know. So mm. um, it, it does cross my mind a lot. But the reason why I asked you that is because for me, um, it's it's a really uh, pressing question. Really, sometimes I think to myself, "Look, is this? Have you come to the end of the road with it? You know." Mm. And then something fantastic will happen. Yeah. And you go, oh, right, okay, maybe not. I mean, I'm going to touch wood when I say this. There's plastic there, but let's Table. pretend it's wood. Yeah, there we are. Um, you know, I've been, I've had some great career things. Mm -hmm. um, and I've not been unemployed a lot in my life. Um, but, you know, what that does mean is that I'm away from home a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I miss... Um, my wife, I miss my son. I wasn't there when mm -hmm. the tragedy happened with Harry. I was mm -hmm. in Aberdeen. Um, you know, uh, it, there is a lot of personal cost that goes into it as well. A hundred percent. Um, I put on Instagram yesterday. Um, if you don't, uh, you have to make sacrifices to get what you want. If you don't, what you want gets sacrificed. Exactly. And I, I was like, you know, cause it's so true, isn't it? Like, you know, I was living in LA and I lost my brother and I missed you know, I didn't spend any time with him for three years because I was in another country and that was a huge sacrifice and, you know, it changed my life dramatically. That's why I moved home. But instead of giving up, I was like, cool, now I'm going to find a way of balancing that. I'm yeah. going to be with my family, be home and still have that career, but here, you know, and it's about yeah finding a balance within what I do. So I still love performing, but I'm not as desperate to go and travel the world and dance for all these huge artists, but yeah. I still want to perform. I still love that feeling of going on stage and making people laugh, making people smile. To me, that's the most rewarding thing ever when people go, 
I really enjoyed your performance tonight. Mm. I don't care if they say, you look hot, you look sexy, cool. That's nothing, but did you enjoy my performance? The mm. thing that I've worked on for the past 20 years to be able to deliver, and if they say yes, I go, amazing. The sacrifice is worth it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, the tragedy with your brother happened not, not, not terribly long after the tragedy that we suffered with Harry, and I mm. remember... Um, I've always felt very close to you, but I remember feeling a very close affinity to you then. And you were also great with, with Dylan. Yeah. And I do think that this has become part of the healing process for us as a family as well. Yeah. Because wherever we go, Dylan's taken under his, uh, uh-huh. people's wings, you know? Yeah. And, um, and they look after him, they care about him, especially in Stoke, where he and Mickey Wilkes walk around like they own theatre. Well, they, they do own the theatre. <laughs> So, uh, so for those who don't listen, you're probably thinking, what the fuck is happening? Like, what are they on about? Uh, Christian lost his son, Harry, whilst he was away working. Um, and now there's a thing called Harry's Fund. So search it and find out and get involved because it's amazing. Um, and it was also, you know, we sacrifice these things because we're away working, doing what we love. And I always think people go, oh, my God, you must have the most amazing lives ever. Like, you get to just go on stage and perform and that's your job. Yes, it is fucking phenomenal it is brilliant but it does come with costs sometimes oh yeah, yeah obviously they're very extreme costs but even little things like missing a birthday party or you know i haven't been to one family gathering in probably about eight years funerals i've missed funerals i've missed weddings i've missed all these sorts of things but i mean at the end of the day uh people say to me oh but you wouldn't do it if you uh, you didn't love it and that's true for me but again mm-hmm. i i know people who Absolutely loathe it, but they do it because at the end of the, the week there is a paycheck. That would do yeah. it for me. I, I, if, I, if I thought uh, that I was going to be that type of person, I'd rather go, I'll take a job close to home, anything mm-hmm. close to home, and go home and be with my wife and son at the yeah. end of the day. It's about balance, isn't it? It is about balance. Like everything is about balance. But it is, you know, as well, it is the greatest business in the world if you are loving it, living it, you yeah. know? yeah. Well, if you're not if you're not loving and living what you're doing, why are you doing it? Exactly. That's that's my thing. Like mm. whenever I hear people moan about their work and stuff, and I'm like, well, take action. Yeah. Uh, I, I also put a quote on Instagram this morning saying, uh, "If you've got a dream job, a dream house, a dream car, a dream lifestyle, why aren't you trying to pursue it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why aren't you trying to make that dream a reality? Mm. What's stopping you? Yeah. There's no excuse. The only excuse that you're making, the only person you're hindering is yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? At yeah. the end of the day, because you're just preventing your own happiness or mm. your own achievements. And that's always been a thing for me. I've always set my mind on something and I've gone, you know what? Like, nothing is going to divert me from this course. No, you're very determined. Like, yeah. I might hit a pause button on route, but yeah. nothing is going to derail my yeah. my end target. Mm-hmm. And I believe, you know, lots of sacrifices have come with that, but it's paid off. I'm 28 and I've done almost everything I've ever dreamed of. Yeah, of course, yeah. You know? No, you are. I, I That is the one thing with you that... Um, that I, I always think, you know, you've got great drive, great passion. Well, this is great, what mm. you're doing now. Um, you know, I, I was saying to you uh, years ago, yeah. I very sim- I've had a very similar idea, but this is great, I think, that you're doing this because this is you effectively starting to give back. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. This is my way of trying to tell people my mistakes and tell people my my successes and you can take what you want from them or leave them. But then, then the fact that they get to hear other incredible performers' stories as well and take from them. And if no one takes from them, I get to speak to incredible people and learn. Well, exactly. That's, we've that's you know, we've spent some time me. together, you know. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. No, it is a fantastic lifestyle. Mm.
What was your first ever... You went to college first, right? Before yeah, you started so, working. Yeah, basically what I did was um, I went from um, Kumtawi to Gosainan College. Gosainan College seems to have a massive hit rate with um, actors going into the business. They do seem to do really well. Um, and I went there and did a, a B-Tech. And I told that to my son Dylan the other day. He thought that was hilarious. He... He said, oh, I didn't know you were a B-Tech, Barry. I didn't know nice, that was a thing, nice. right? Just a B-Tech actor. Uh, yeah, he said, oh, you're a B-Tech. Oh, my God, you're a B-Tech, Barry. I don't know what that is, but anyway. <laughs> I went um, then to the Welsh College of Music and Drama and did three years there. Did a, I had to do the degree course there uh-huh. because um, at the time, grants were available and they weren't mandatory unless you did a degree. Yeah. But I had no interest in, in writing. I had to develop it, you know, yeah, develop yeah. the writing about people's performances. I can tell you all the things in the world. I can sit down and write as well. It's just that it's, that's hard. Yeah. Whereas I can express you can, it. Yeah, you're, you know. you're very good at talking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't get a word in edgeways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I went, uh, I went from there then and I thought, well, I'll do what every person does when they leave college and I'll go to London. And I moved to London and I think it was the biggest mistake of my working life. Really? Yeah, because I was spending... I think we were paying £100 a week in rent. That sounds like nothing now, but in 1995, you know, when you've I left... I pay less than that. Do you? I do. Go on. I told you how much I weigh. How much do you pay? I pay £288 a month for a room, including bills, and a cleaner. Do you live in a shower? I live in a cubicle. <laughs> It's a fucking box. Is it really? Yeah, but hey. I Who pay, cares? I pay the cheapest rent in London. People pay more for car parking spaces. Has it got bed? Yeah, double yeah. bed. And uh, wardrobe TV on the wall. And how big is your room? Um, so it's a small room, but you've got the base there. I've got a double bed. You've got the best deal in the world. I've got a double bed, snake tank, TV. Fantastic. You've got a snake tank? Yeah, I've got a snake. Have you? Yeah, fucking what have you hate, got? I hate it. Corn snake. Terrified oh. of it. Thought it was a good idea. Get over your fear. Haven't touched it in a year. Well, I hope you feed it. Yeah, I feed it and that's about it. <laughs> do, you, do you have to feed it live mice? No, you're not allowed to leave No, no. Yeah. Right, right. But Kyle likes snakes, so I just get him to do it. Right. Oh, Kyle lives in the same house? Yeah. Ah, cool, cool. So he saves cool. me. Well, my um, sister-in-law had a, um, uh, a tarantula mm. that was bought for her by her ex. Uh, her name is Mandy and he called the tarantula Mandy as well. Uh, <laughs> And they say, oh, do you want to hold it? And you go, no. No. That's, that's a big spider. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like little spiders, yeah. let alone. Well, when it was a small snake, it looked like a worm. And I was like, it's pink. So I chose the pink one. So I was like, pink's not scary. Called it Zara, because Zara Larson was on the radio when I was trying to think of the name. And it was about, I don't know, that long, size yeah. of a ruler. I was like, oh, it's tiny. It's like the thickness of my pinky. Yeah, it's big now. Don't like it. How big is it? Probably about maybe a meter. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. That's ridiculous. Meter, yeah. Don't touch it anymore. Oh, my God. So if anyone wants a corn snake, let me know. <laughs> well, I definitely don't. Okay. But uh, thanks for the offer. So I, right? Yeah, I'll ask Dylan. Yeah, yeah. Because I tell you, it would be brilliant yeah, if I... He'd love I, it. I, I'm going to go home tonight and say, actually, to Dylan, do you want a corn snake? And say to Michelle, look, uh, Kai... Uh, Kai, sorry. <laughs> say, that sounds like the sort of thing that yeah. Kai would do, isn't yeah. it? Kane, Kane has given him a corn snake for his birthday. Yeah. Um, and she'll, she won't be able to say no. Oh, no, no, she won't. No. We, we're going to Florida, and she's going she's gonna to have a terrible time, Michelle, because... We literally do this. This is terrible. But like, we go to Walker Park and go. Do you want to go on the roller coaster? No. Yeah, you'd go on it if you loved us. 
<laughs> I've got photos of Michelle terrified. Dying on that. That's brilliant. Uh, Absolutely brilliant. Well, I love uh, that sort of stuff. But we're going, we're going soon. Yeah, but to go back to that, so I went to London because it was what every actor did. Mm-hmm. And then didn't work in the West End for the first seven years of my career. So I'm <laughs> paying were. rent everywhere mm-hmm. that I tour around the country or yeah. in reps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm paying £100 a week in, you know, and, and at the time, mm-hmm. the equity minimum was £270. Yeah. And I think the, if I remember rightly, I think the subsistence was something like 70-ish. And I think the touring allowance was about 90-ish. Mm-hmm. So I was paying to keep a room on in London. And that, that's your money gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But After again, food, then you're then. Yeah, absolutely, you know. But again, it's part of that, um, don't do it if you don't love it. Yeah, yeah, you know? completely. I kind of knew that I was paying my dues though as well. Yeah. Because a couple of com- couple of things came up in the West End and I went up for, um, uh, uh, you know, I went up for a lot of stuff. And a couple of things came up and I had offers to do a good rep job elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So say it would be a small part in the West End or a substantial part in a rep somewhere in the country. And my agent would say to me, it's up to you, but I do the smaller part, you know, pay your dues, pay your dues. Yeah. And that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I did in the West End uh, was... Um, uh, a musical called Secret Garden, which went from the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah. Um, I feel like that still goes around, the Secret Garden, doesn't it? It's still a show. Yeah, yeah. Still I've a definitely show. heard it in like the past few months. Oh, yeah. yeah. I ended up on the um, um, cast recording of that playing one of the, the leads because yeah. um, um, I probably can't talk about that too much, actually. You'd probably sue me. But um, there was you an actor. <laughs> there was an actor who um, was playing one of the leads who. Um, tried to hold the recording company over a barrel to pay them uh, more. Pay more. And um, they called us bluff and said to me, do you want to do it? And nice. so I said, I said, as his, you know me, I'm not a backstabber. So yeah. I said, as it got his stamp of approval on it, and they said, yes. Yeah. Um, so I said, fine, I'll do it then. Lovely, I'd love yeah. the opportunity. And then the next thing, of course, he knew nothing about he knew it. nothing about it. So, you know, it all exploded backstage. Hollywood. Oh yeah, even though it's yeah. not Hollywood, but you know it's a Hollywood move, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> complete. Yeah, yeah, I've worked with some Hollywood people who are strange, mind. Oh, there's some bloody strange people. There's some very, very strange people. I, I work. I can't tell you who, obviously, but I worked with one man who um, uh, would walk into his trailer and drop all of his costume on the floor. And when was asked by, you know, which, you know, come on, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and this is good quarter stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or wait until somebody can come and take it off you, if yeah, that's yeah. what you want to do. I always take mine off, hang it up. Yeah. Um, but uh, when he was asked if he would mind not doing that, kicked a hole in his trailer. <laughs> so then the only person that suffered was him because he had a hole in his trailer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, it's a bit over the top, yeah, isn't it? yeah. Some divas. What was it like doing your first job in the West End? Incredible. I felt like I, I, that was where I felt like I'd won the lottery. I was in the um, the chorus and I played. I was the first person to sing on stage in it, um, and I was in the chorus and I weighed. Oh God, practically nothing compared to what I weighed now because that was the first time when I'd lost weight. Because mm-hmm. um, I started off twenty three stone when I left college and I, I lost eleven and a half stone. Jesus Christ. 
And actually, when I look back at photos now, I think I looked quite unhealthy. Yeah. Because uh, I was very gaunt. Gaunt wearing, in your you know. face. Um, but I was working with a, a choreographer called, who's just recently passed away actually, called Julian uh, Lynn. Mm -hmm. And when I first met Julian, I was 13 stone. Yeah. And I swear to God, when I was doing The Secret Garden, well, you must experience this, um, yeah. but though you eat very carefully, but when I was doing The Secret Garden, it was a slippery slope because I discovered that I could eat anything whilst I was doing The Secret Garden. Because you're always burning so much calories. Burning it off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the woman was, in the nicest possible way, a tyrant. Yeah. But she's not going to rest until she, she's happy with it. Yeah. Uh, and that meant doing it again and again and again and again. And we did that at the RC, and then we moved that to, to the West End, mm -hmm. and it was incredible. I mean... We were on the very, very edge of the West End. We were in the Old Witch Theatre and we were... At, I like that theatre. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's really lovely. It's where Tina is now. Yeah. And I'd love to see that. Actually. Oh, I've, I saw it a month and a half ago. Is it good? Phenomenal. Yeah, see that. The woman who plays Tina. The set is so basic, but the woman who plays Tina is incredible. Ah, uh, see, now I, I can't wait to see it. Because when I was in the West End recently, when I was at the Donmar, mm -hmm. whatever my matinee day was, I, I actually saw, which is why I saw mm -hmm. Battle of Hell we were talking about earlier, um, I actually saw every single show that was on the Thursday because we had a Wednesday matinee. Yeah. I went to everything. Yeah. One of the things I saw was Dream Girls, which I was blown away yeah. by. Yeah. Did you see, was it Amber Riley? I did. Yeah, she was uh, phenomenal. Uh, oh my God. But the only thing I didn't like, I thought the choreography in Dream Girls was not great. Well, I suppose... It was a bit messy. It wasn't very clean. And for such a high standard, I guess, kind of show, like, you know, it's a premium show. It's the most expensive show to see. That let me down as that's my forte. Yeah, 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 but of course. as an actual show and the vocals, phenomenal. Well, I suppose you watch it with, with you cast an eye on with uh, your main thing, I suppose. So, of course, <clears throat> I thought <clears throat> a lot of the acting was good. I thought there was one character that I thought, oh, no, no, mm. no, you, you're way out. Um, but, um, but I, you know, I was blown away by it. Anyway, I was at the Old Witch Theatre and uh, doing The Secret Garden and to walk out of that theatre and go, right, okay, I'm in the West End, mm -hmm. doing a musical, which I never thought would be the first thing that I would do. Um, and it turned out that a musical was the first job that I ever did as well. Yeah. Um, it was just incredible. I, I think it's the most exciting feeling in the world for a performer to go, oh my God, I'm going to be in the West End, until um, you go, oh my God, I'm going to be on Broadway. Yeah, or, or, oh my God, I'm going to be my first TV, yeah. my first film. But my your first, first anything is always, you yeah. know, it's that work, oh shit, this is happening. And I'd never earned so much money. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, <clears throat> I think, I, I can tell you, I think when we went into the West End, and, and, you know, bear in mind, this is probably 2001. Because mm -hmm. I think I did it in 2000, 2001. I was earning 750 quid a week plus subsistence. I've never As just being in chorus. Just being in the chorus. I mean, that's what they get now. Yeah. Probably less. Mm. I believe the minimum equity is like 550 or 600. Yeah, it's around that. Yeah, yeah. And it's I, obviously dependent on the size of the theatre. Yeah, but. I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And for the first time in my life, I paid my student loan off on that job. Yeah, I bet. Um, and especially back then, you know, London prices were a lot less than they are oh, now. Yeah. Everything is. Yeah. And I lived with another actor. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd met Michelle then and we'd got together and it was kind of the job next but one because I did mm. a two-hander called Lady Macbeth in, in Basingstoke um, and then after that I went mm -hmm. to the RSC um, 
But uh, we, we, you know, th- three months after meeting Michelle, I'd asked to marry me. Mm-hmm. Um, Good move. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Spot on. Four months mm-hmm. after, we bought a house. And I bought the house on the strength of saying, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, get, saying to my agent, look, can you write that I'm, uh, can you put down what my wage is and um, just say that I'm going to be on it in the West End for the entire run, yeah. you know. And not leave that, you know, the run. They booked the theatre actually for a very long time because the yeah. last thing of the RFCs that went into the West End was Les Miserables. Uh-huh. But foot and mouth had happened and people weren't coming to the country because they thought they could catch it. Yeah. And within three and a half months of being in the West End, um, one day the producer came upstairs, first time I ever experienced this. He came upstairs, there was a long dressing room at the top of the old, which where all the lads were in. And uh, he said, um, I'm really sorry, we've tried everything. We'd moved from doing Monday night to Sunday afternoon yeah. performances, tried everything. And it just wasn't working. It was a brilliant show. And um, they pulled the plug in it. Oh my God. And so two weeks later, we, you know, we were back in our house in Wales. And I was thinking, right, well, this is interesting because I, I just had money a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> what happens next? Yeah, what, what happens now? You know. Um, but uh, yeah, did and you, at you... that time, Michelle was really, she, she did this thing with Steve Coogan called Dr. Tarrell's House of Horrible, um, uh, which she had a nice little part in. And, uh, you know, she, she was bringing in TV wages and I was going, wow, is that what TV people yeah, I don't want to do West End now. <laughs> I want to do TV. Oh, that's crazy. It's crazy. What's one of your most favourite things that you've done in your career? Should we say aside from Panto? Yeah, because I mean, still when people ask me, what's your favourite job you've ever done? I mean, it's Panto. I, Panto in the Regent Theatre. It doesn't get any better. There are a lot of actors that are sniffy about it. And... Um, I know an actor friend of mine was told by another mutual friend of ours who's quite far up the food chain that um, if you want to be taken seriously as an actor, you come to Panto. Uh, same in Dance World. Yeah. But, I mean, for me, um, I get to do a bit of everything at Christmas, mm-hmm. right? I, I get to do a bit of singing, a bit of dancing, a um, bit of comedy, a bit of acting. And you write the, sh- the play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's your, technically it's your show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing, the, the proudest moment for that, for me, I mean, we worked hard to get it on that bloody stage, but you remember this. The proudest one of those of me was Peter Pan. Peter Pan was horrifically difficult. Oh my God. So, so hard. Like I two remember, weeks tech, right? Yeah. Two, uh, weeks, no, two weeks rehearsal. No, two weeks rehearsal and, and four days four tech. Four days tech. That's what I meant by two weeks. But I literally remember going, cut that, get rid of that. Yeah. That doesn't work. Cut that song. And then literally thinking, when it opened on the morning, thinking, well, I don't know what this is going to be like. Yeah, all the tech run went awful. Awful. It couldn't have gone it worse. couldn't have gone worse. Peter no. Pan flew into the set. Yeah, oh, Absolutely. That was hilarious. Though. That was brilliant. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, but um, yeah, it was just horrendous. And then something happened. And it, Johnny and myself still say now, what's the favourite panto you've done here? Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Mine too. It, crazy. I mean, it was the worst week leading up to it. Oh, yeah. Because it was like, nothing Nothing works. No. <laughs> Nothing's worked. Everything we've practised not on stage worked. Yeah. And then when we put it on stage, nothing worked. Do you remember the flying? Yeah. The flying, they'd say, right, okay, we need... We had a week before um, 
we opened, they brought in the fly rig. Mm-hmm. And because I remember Torval and Dean were, were rehearsing on yeah, our stage. They were. Because they were doing it in Manchester, but they needed a big open stage to rehearse on. And then they brought in this flying rig and they would take um, the actors that needed to fly for hours at a time to save us time in the tech. Yeah. And then when we got to the tech... I couldn't fly. <laughs> it was like, well... Yeah. What was the point? You know, oh, well, it's different with the setting. Well, surely, surely you knew that last <laughs> week. But no, it turned out to be um, my favourite panto there. And panto, I think, you know, I do think a lot of people frown in it. I think it's given a bad name. It won an Olivier this year, so hopefully that will start to change people's uh, opinion of it. But I suppose favourite job... I have a favourite director that I love working with, a woman called um, Kate Wasserberg. Um, and I could choose anything that I've done with her, really. But I suppose I would say um, doing a Sarah Kane play called Blasted. This is the crazy one, right? This is the crazy one, yeah. Tell, tell people what Blasted is if they don't know. Because I remember you all telling me just before Panto that you'd yeah. done it. And I thought you were winding me up. Oh, it was... Uh, I think it's the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. It's, um, it's sort of a reaction to the Bosnia War, written by uh, a, a very young playwright called um, Sarah Kane, a first full-length play. And she was discovered by uh, uh, Mel Kenyon, I think, who mm-hmm. was the agent that discovered her. And it, it's brutal. I mean, yeah. you, you know, it's, it's absolutely horrendous. It's a, um, a guy called Ian, that's the character that I played, um, with, uh, who's got a... a a young woman with him, we, we get the feeling she's probably of age to have a sexual relationship now, but probably not mm-hmm. uh, terribly into that. And they've, uh, terribly long that age, and they've certainly seen each other before. And he takes her to this hotel room and um, all sorts of things happen really. But the, I suppose it goes a bit weird when he has sex with her, which, um, some people to be, you know, was it sex, was it rape? You know, it's probably very definitely rape, looking back on it. And she goes to have a shower, and the next thing, there's a knock on the door, and in walks this soldier with a gun, mm. who eats both of the breakfasts that I've ordered that have been delivered, and then ends up um, taking me at gunpoint. There's a massive explosion. He um, rapes me anally, and then he sucks up my eyes, and you, you were actually naked in the show, right? I was completely like, naked. completely naked. Yeah, and and that was part of the reason uh, my my cock had to be cut past by Cardiff Police. <laughs> it's true, <laughs> because they didn't have a license for nudity. So yeah. I was waiting for clearance to show that it was, you know, that it was all right. It was all go on the dog yeah. front, you know. Um, but it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. And I remember... Um, people would come and see it, like Stuart from the college, uh, Wilkes Academy, uh, uh, Johnny, yeah. uh, Nikki, um, and they would just have this sort of ashen look on their faces afterwards and not know what to say. Yeah. It's brutal, but if you can do... I think it's one of those things where you go... For me, why I've chosen it as um, probably the greatest experience is because I kind of felt after that, I kind of felt invincible. I won an award for that, actually. It was the first, not the first time being nominated, but it was the first time I won an award. Mm-hmm. What um, award was it? I won the uh, uh, Wheels Actors um, mm-hmm. uh, Best Actor, 2016-17. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I'd been nominated the year before, and I was nominated the year after. 
Um, but uh, I won that one, and I kind of felt like with that play that you should have a T-shirt saying, I'm an actor who's been emblasted, because I kind of <laughs> feel that it, go, it says, I'm invincible. I felt invincible for the first time in my life. Yeah. It didn't last long, but going into other jobs, I would think to myself, hey, this is not scary. It can't but, be worse than what I've done. Yeah, I've just done that. Yeah. You're joking. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I remember the first time I did TV as well. First time I did TV, oh God. Uh, I, I'm pretty certain I was probably awful. Um, <laughs> because it's a, such a different- I'm uh, sure you would, but it's, oh, it's different acting, isn't it? Between just plays, so uh, musicals and TV, it's all very, very oh, different so acting. Different. So different. I mean, you know, I... Because when people say, oh, I'm an actor, I guess people think that you can do, well, you just act. But yeah. there's specific things within acting which are yeah. other genres, I guess. Well, actually, when we did the... And I, you know, I don't fall out with many people, but when we did the TV project at Welsh College of Music and Drama, I just thought the guy that came and teach us was a total and utter prick. Yeah. He clearly didn't have a clue what, uh, what he was doing. And I just sniffed it out, right? <laughs> and I, and anyway, we had words one day, and then the next day, the head of acting uh, called me in, and uh, I didn't do the rest of the TV <laughs> TV module, which you know is not like me. Really. No, not at all. But um, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna take advice of somebody, if I'm gonna, I, I want them to know what they're talking about. You yeah, know? yeah. And it was clear to me that he didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did my first TV thing, the director kept saying, quieter, smaller, quieter, smaller, quieter, smaller, literally after te- every take. And it was, I did, it was Grafters with um, Stephen Tomkinson and um, uh, Robson Green. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, and I, and I watched them. So when I was on it for about uh, three days, mm-hmm. and I watched, when I wasn't working, when I wasn't doing the actual filming, I'd say to Stephen, would it be all right for me? Stephen Thompson's a lovely man. Would it be all right for me to watch it? Yeah, yeah, come on, watch. And I'd sit and watch what they did. Mm-hmm. Best way to learn. Well, I remember my first panto. I sat every single show side stage and watched you and Johnny. Because I, when I was younger, well, they found out if they've listened to my podcast with Shane, I wanted to be an actor. That was always my goal. Mm. And then when I went to college and tried doing it, I didn't like it. I was like, oh, I don't like this. I'm not very good at this. Let's just stick to dance. I think it's in you, though, you see. So then when I come to do the panto the first time with you, and I found how uh, free you were, mm. you know, uh, and not so confined and restricted. Everything was very off the cuff, and it was on the whim. And if you felt like you needed to change it and you could make it a bit better, you'd do it. And I always remember being like, well, this isn't, like, there's no rules. Mm. Like, this is fun. Mm. Like, this is just two mates having a great time. And it really sold it to me, because what made me want to be an actor was Joey and Chandler in Friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that friendship and then being silly. I was like, I want to be an actor. And then watching you and Johnny on stage, I would be like, oh, my God. It's the same kind of friendship, two two boys having fun. Yeah. And then I literally watched for what, six weeks every single show, just in awe, like, I want to be able to do this. I remember coming off in the wings and you'd often be there and stuff like that. And I was, I was 20, you yeah. know, I just sat there and, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it was great though. I mean, it is great fun and we've had some great people pass through, um, you know, our ranks and I'm always so grateful that I've, that I've met them and worked with them. You know, look at Aaron, for example. I know, you look know, at him. He's off. You know, I remember him being 13 and me telling his mum he was going to stay at my house and I got him drunk. 
I remember that night, yeah. Was it, you were across the road? Yeah, you? yeah, digs across the street. Well, I, you know, I look at Aaron, right? So <clears throat> we're watching, I think it was uh, Britain's Got Talent, mm. and on come on the Magic, Magic Mike, Mike thing, yeah. And I go, God, is that Aaron? Because I, I literally can't tell you the effect that it has me when I see you or Aaron or, you know, uh, Mikey or anyone on the um, X Factor. It's literally like I'm your dad, right? <laughs> I literally go, oh my God, oh my God. You know, I, it's like yeah. amazing, you know, because yeah, yeah. you're doing so well and the pride that I feel is incredible. And then of course, Aaron comes on and there he is and he's taking his top off and showing his six back yeah. and stuff like that, which I think he owes a lot to you for. <laughs> and then, uh, and I was thinking, you can't do that, he's seven. He's you know, because <laughs> like the first time I met him. Oh no, he's 21. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You go, no, I met when he was a kid. You can't, what, what's Aaron doing? Put yeah. your top on, you know. Mm, I don't no. care if you stood with, what's his face, Ryan. Channing Tatum. Yeah, that's it, Leo. yeah. <laughs> Ryan Gosling, I was gonna say, actually. <laughs> Similar. Similar. They're both men. Yeah, yeah. they both act. <laughs> um, how, what is your next step, do you think? Do you want to keep doing more acting stuff or do you, would you like to go down a director writing kind of role? I'm writing at the moment. I'm writing a play, um, a three-hander at the moment. And um, I am also, I've just written a pounter for Theatre Cloyd, my first one I've ever written for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am starting to get people ask me, do I want to, because I direct the panthers and stuff, and mm-hmm. people are asking me, do I want to direct things? Um, I guess what's next is, and I I kind of live by this a bit really, is I guess what is next is whatever opportunity presents itself. Yeah, you kind of just go with the flow. Yeah. So um, when Harry died, Mm -hmm. um, one of Harry's favourite films was um, Finding Nemo. Mm -hmm. And Dorian, that says, just keep swimming. Mm -hmm. And I literally, I'd like to have that tattooed on my body somewhere because in my mind, when I'm having a down day about the business, when I'm having a down day about Harry, mm-hmm. or just generally having a, a down day, I just think to myself, just keep swimming. Yeah, that's actually awesome. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I never thought of that. You just think, that's it, that's it. Just keep swimming. Mm-hmm. So I guess what what happens next is on whatever... That's not to say I won't make things happen. Yeah. But, you know... Um, Whatever presents itself will be. My agent is a fantastic agent. Um, she rang yesterday, right? Okay, so I said to her, um, I want the summer holidays off. I want to be with uh, Dylan. And the way this job has fallen is perfect. I had two other offers that I could have done mm-hmm. that would have meant that I couldn't go on holiday to America. It would yeah, have been, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, this job's uh, it's a great place, a great director, a very good friend of mine called Peter Doran. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to reuniting, getting to work with him again, because we haven't worked with each other for a few years. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm going to do that. And I guess then there's a month off after we come back from America, and then I do Panto. And my agent, who rang me the other day just to apologise for not filling the five-week gap that I've got off between <laughs> the end of doing the North Wales job and starting One Man, Two Governor... Uh, you know, I, I feel yeah. like when somebody's ringing up and going, I'm really sorry I haven't filled that gap with something, I think to myself, you've got my back, haven't you? Yeah. Do you know I, what I mean? I'm safe. Yeah. 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 And she works really, really hard. Yeah. Uh, and Roger, who is my main agent, you know, he, he busts a gap for his clients. And so I kind of feel you are a bit at the mercy of other people, aren't you? 
Oh, 100%. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're, you're, you're people, I always say, you're a guinea pig. Yeah. Like, you're a guinea pig. The people above you decide what you do. Yeah. But you have to be a likable, moldable guinea pig. Exactly, yeah. A likable, moldable guinea pig. If you, if you put... <laughs> headings on these yeah please make sure that either just just keep swimming or a likable well, i was going for disco kid <laughs> <laughs> disco quid will wi- disco kid willing to keep swimming yeah literally what i think is uh whatever presents itself and in the meantime i'll just keep swimming yeah mm. that's amazing any advice for anyone trying to be an actor yeah, uh, uh, my advice to people who want to be an uh, want to be an actor is see as much as you can, do as much as you can, read as much as you can, watch as much as you can, listen as much as you can, learn as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if look, the bottom line is people say, uh, and I feel terrible kind of for saying this really, but it is the blatant truth. People say, you know, and if you want it bad enough, it will happen. That's not necessarily the case. No, I disagree. You've got to. You've got to work for it. You've got to work for it. And if it if it doesn't happen, if you've worked your hardest, your absolute hardest, and you've worked blood, sweat, and tears, and you've given everything to it, and it doesn't happen, it's not your fault. No. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because you threw everything at it. Yeah. But. Don't quit because it might happen just after you quit. Well, you're a lesson there. You know, I know loads of people. Yeah. My mate Julian um, was on the verge of quitting being an actor, mm. and a couple of months before being up for an audition for a film with um, Clint Eastwood, and he was on the verge of quitting. And we were on the train back home together. He'd been up for something. Uh, and I'd been up for something too. And he got a call from his agent to say, you know that film you went up for with Clint Eastwood? Mm. You've got it. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, the next thing, his, he's having a great life. Mm. Um, he's in the last sort of uh, Avengers. In, yeah. You know, he's in yeah. that. Um, as um, something to do with Aquaman. I, can't, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But he's had a great life. He's had a great career. And it's quite, quite, I think sometimes this, this business will sometimes take you to the brink oh, and say, right, are you ready? Now you, you are. Yeah. But also, if I had a big piece of advice, it would be, if it happens for you, don't be a prick. That, <laughs> that's, you, the, that's the best. You know, that, yeah. would be, that would be my advice. Being nice, be nice costs nothing. Yeah, yeah. Don't, be, don't be a prick. And, you know, when people ask you for a bit of advice or people ask you to sign something or people ask you for a photo just do it yeah be flattered yeah do you know what I mean yeah no I agree anyway mate we've got to wrap this up because I've got to go oil up now there's a <laughs> there's a phrase I thought I'd never hear <laughs> I just do people oil you up or do you have to oil yourself up I'm looking for a, a full time fluffer <laughs> I tell you, that was one of the things when I was going naked on stage. In, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was very, very nervous yeah. of uh, thinking, you know, it's it's a grower. Yeah, but you, yeah. <laughs> but you don't want to go either way. No, no. You don't want to grow and you don't want to hide. It's like, no, just, no. Be, just be yourself. Yeah, yeah. But no chance to fluff, because I'm on yeah. stage quarter of an hour, yeah. right? Uh, before, you know, nothing, mm. nothing. Anyway, mate, thank you so much for coming uh, on. King, it's a pleasure seeing pleasure. you as always. I, I just hope that, uh, um, you know, I haven't dribbled and I've been coherent. I've had a good time, so whatever, isn't it? Well, you know what I'm going to say then? 
Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Love you, mate. Love you too. Thank you for listening to the Ins and Outs podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes, and also make sure you're following us on Instagram, at the Ins and Outs underscore. Thank you very much, and until next time, the Ins and Outs.